what are some of your strengths and challenges as a leader? Okay. So uh, my biggest challenge as a leader, uh, which I've uh, overcome. Okay. Um, That's good. But my, my biggest challenge was um, underestimating how much something takes to get done from someone else because I can do it a lot faster. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's a massive disconnect, right? It's like, hey, uh, I need you to run this mile. Yeah. Okay. I expect it to take six minutes. Yeah. Maybe I'm fat. Like I can only do it in 15. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And not understanding that. Obviously, that's a super basic example. But in the work environment, yeah. I'm like, oh, guys, cool. Do this. Uh, done uh, by, yeah. by end of day. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, dude, we need a week to do this at least. And, and I'm you're like, like, why? I'm like, why? I could do this in like two hours. What are you yeah. guys saying? And, yeah. Uh, and that took me a long time to understand. So that was, that was a very important thing in leadership is just understanding like, what I can do does not mean someone else can do it. And it's my job to guide them and lead them in the direction to do so but understand their limitations Mm -hmm. and allow them to give me that feedback and say i think i can get it done in this time Mm -hmm. now obviously i'm always going to push for things faster yeah and the team's going to push for things slower it's like this constant battle Uh, but that's definitely a challenge that i had because i was like so disconnected from it because i was just based on my skill set right it's like if steph's gonna say make 103 is okay cool it'll take me five minutes to do that yeah someone else might say like it's gonna take me three hours to make 103s like i miss most of them yeah yeah and so just understanding that balance. Uh, I feel like my strength as a leader uh, is uh, problem solving, mm-hmm. which also creates a problem, right? It's the same problem. It's like, because I'm so good at problem solving, if I solve my team's problems for them, they don't become self-sufficient. Yeah. And I'm actually hurting the long-term growth. Short-term, I'm solving that problem much quicker. And we might be making a good decision for the business or the person, whatever it is. Long-term, I'm hurting my team. So I used to just like solve problems. I, people would be like, Eddie, we're having this problem, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what would you do? And I'm like, duh, do this, this, this. And they're like, oh, great, good idea. And I go, work. yeah. Now I don't do that. Uh-huh. I actually don't even answer. I tell them, what are t- your two best solutions that you've come up with uh-huh. from one to two? And why is that your first solution? And let's hear it. And and no one, I'm not even answering people's problems until they give me their answers. Mm. Then from there, I'm troubleshooting. Either usually one of their two answers is one I would have thought of. Yeah. Or close enough where I can tweak it and say, correct, but what about this? And they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. I would probably do this. Perfect. Yeah. That's the plan you need to execute. And over time, I start noticing that like teaching them to think through those problems is very interesting. And I think that habit, uh, that that skill set came from, um, this is going to, this, this, I don't even know if I've talked about this, but I, I used to do like math competitions mm. as a kid, like in third, fourth, fifth grade nationally. Like my dad would like, drive like six hours to another state to take me to a math competition <laughs> oh, damn. yeah bro and these were the hardest it's not math it's not math where it's like okay what's the square root of this number yeah. it's like you know uh brian has 12 apples and eddie has six bananas you know that yeah, kind yeah, of shit. Yeah. it's like problem How solving make an orange you're like shit All bro right. and yeah. it's like five questions for yeah. three four hours it's like that hard. and so yeah. what it taught me was there's so many ways to to solve a problem Mm. you know what i mean just because brian's solving it that way doesn't mean eddie has to solve it that way got it and and there as long as we get to the same solution there's multiple ways to solve the problem right Mm. and then number two something my dad always did was he always would throw it back at me and he'd say what would you do Mm -hmm. instead of answering my like hey dad how do i open this can oh what Mm. do you what do you think i'm like i think it has to do something with this and then yeah i'll brainstorm and over time as he did that more and more I would think of solutions that were better than his or or solutions that he didn't think of and so it started teaching me oh wow my dad had a way to solve it that was really good, but I just came up with another way to solve it that's also pretty good. Yeah. There's usually more than one solution to the same problem. Mm-hmm. And I think people um, 
do a poor job solving problems because they assume there's one solution yeah and they stress themselves so much trying to figure the one solution yeah whereas in reality if you if you started looking back and understanding there's probably a few ways to solve this problem you get there a lot faster because you're expecting multiple answers as opposed to like trying to find one all the time yeah you know what i mean so i don't even know if i answered the original question at this point but that that's how i think those are my strengths in leadership and it's also you know, my weakness originally, and I think I overcame it pretty well. Yeah. So for me right now, so I, I feel like there's always like seasons. Like first, like my problem is like, I'm not delegating enough and then I'm delegating, but too loosely or whatever. So like right now, I feel like my problem or my challenge with leadership is I need to find the right balance between giving my team freedom and then micromanaging them. Where sometimes, like, let's just say I hire a new marketer and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let them go at it. I'm going to leave them alone. I, I'm not going to take any of their time. I'm just going to let them take it away. Yeah. But then they're kind of like lost. So I'm like, shoot, now I got to like come back and almost re-onboard them and explain everything. So like, or operations or even sales manager or any of these like, I guess, higher level positions, like finding the right balance of like, I need to be on top of this sales manager but I also need to give them freedom. Like I I've struggled with that. And then also with like hiring virtual and in-house, like sometimes I'm like, all right, like I think we need someone physically here. And then other times I'm like, maybe we just don't need anyone here. I guess like, what is your, what is your uh, opinion on that with like in-house employees and like virtual employees? Oh man, this is a battle we had for the last few years, right? Cause we're like you, we have an, we have an office space. Yeah. We have, I don't know, maybe 8,500 square feet. We're like, we got to fill it up. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I need people here. I need all this stuff. But what happens is um, you limit your talent pool uh-huh. so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like in today's world, it's like if you're if you're just going to hire in the Las Vegas area. Yeah. How many sick marketers are you going to get? Right. Like uh, how many, how many sick copywriters, how many sick media buyers, how many like maybe content creators you have more of a chance of yeah. example. Uh, but there's a lot of positions where like, you know fucking john in nebraska who lives in bumfuck nowhere is one of the sickest copywriters no way he's ever coming to vegas right it's like Mm. are you willing to sacrifice that talent Mm. for control of location yeah and over time i started realizing that i think that's a very wrong approach to building the company and i'll tell you right now some of my most talented individuals are remote Mm. but i keep my core leadership team in house Mm. because it's like there are many times where I just need to like grab everyone, have a meeting in the conference room. Hey, we're doing X, Y, Z, whatever the yeah. situation is. And I love being able to do that. Yeah. And it, it just brings me like fuel at work as opposed to like, you know, getting on a Zoom call together or whatever. Yeah. The energy is not the same, dude, as no. much as like, let's get in this room, let's talk or like yeah. walking around and chatting with each other. And it, I love it. And I love having energy in the office. And even right now we're restructuring our office to have more energy. We're like, let's move people from this corner. Let's force them here in this room. Let's put these people in this room and like to try to create better energy in the office and more interaction engagement. And like, I want an office where people want to show up to it and it's a privilege. Um, but I can't limit my entire company being built like that in my space, especially right. Like Mm -hmm. if you're in a, if you're a contractor, yeah like you have to hire local. Yeah. Yeah. You can hire remote like VAs maybe to help you with the admin work, but like, that's about it. Right. Yeah. In my world, we're digital anyways. I'm working with businesses in Australia. I'm working with businesses in Canada, businesses in Georgia, Nevada, California. You get what I'm saying? It's like, I'm already dealing with these people remote. So like, why is it bad to have a company remote in my case? You know, it actually makes more sense. I get way more talented people 
I'll run the same job listing and say like, I'll do it in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'll do it nationwide. Mm. And the caliber of, of people, like same salary, same job description, same everything. The caliber of people is night and day. Wow. Because I'm pulling someone from Chicago. I'm pulling someone from Ohio. I'm pulling yeah. someone from Nevada, from yeah. Vancouver. But since you've done both, how do you keep someone virtual as accountable than someone who's in the office? So I used to like have people time log everything. Okay. That was the wrong approach because um, highly talented people don't want to get time logged. Mm. Not because they don't put in the hours, uh, but it's more the principle of basing their execution on how many hours they put in, not what the output is. Got so it. we spent probably a year reorganizing every position in our company to have like very clear KPIs. Oh, shit. So <laughs> I don't I don't really care mm -hmm. if it takes you 30 hours a week or if it takes you 50 hours a week. If you do this job and meet these numbers, I'm okay with it. But how do you give like, let's just say a marketing coordinator KPIs? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, I need you to, uh, we need to be spending this much per month at this much return in ad spend. Um, and I, you know, um, yeah, th there's a, there's a million ways. Like I could go down the list of all the KPIs, but like as a marketing coordinator, let's say you yeah. want, what is our total ad spend? How many leads are we generating? How many of those leads are qualified? How many end up showing on the demos for the sales team? Uh, what are email marketing efforts? How much has our list grown? Like, for example, I'll be like, okay, cool. Uh, we're working with someone right now and they're like, you know, I, we need to, our KPI is 500,000 new emails this year. Yeah. We, need, we need to add 500,000 new emails to our list. And that's a KPI that we're going for. So like yeah. it's all growth based KPI based on that position. Uh, if it's an account manager in our company, uh, their KPIs are client results mm -hmm. as well as client churn. So like you can't lose X percentage of your clients per year. And you need to be hitting these certain targets, whether it's spend, uh, whether it's revenue, whether it's profit. Yeah. Different ones have different situations. But I tie it to that because, you know, I, I used to think of myself at, I worked at Lifetime Fitness uh -huh. and I was, I was the number one salesperson in the company. Yeah. Like by a long shot, like I would hide memberships in my drawer and not input them because like I was so ahead, you know? <laughs> Uh, and I would, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I was just at an, uh, at a big marketing event in Cancun and I saw a girl there. Mm -hmm. She was dating one of the guys that was like super big, had a company and she was, she worked with me in the office in Atlanta uh -huh. and we used to be like office mates and we were talking about it. She's like, dude, you were just like five days in, you were already like on quota, like, yeah. ahead, like for the whole month. And I, I, I remember like my manager would come to my office and be like, Hey, uh, kicking your feet up today you know yeah. well you don't got any deals on the board and i'll be like dude i have more than the entire team combined this month like why yeah. are you even in my office like go uh, talk to someone else yeah you know what i mean i'm like i'm like <laughs> i could go home right now on paper like i could go home yeah and come back the first of next month and you can't say anything yeah so like, you should be grateful i'm even here bro what are you yeah. talking about you know what i mean yeah so i always think back to that and i'm like that that irked me so much right mm. like and same with high performers bro. if you want high performers tell them what you need done tie their incentive financially to it yeah and let them rip it mm. my best team members dude i give them a salary i give them a bonus based on results that they get and they go get those results 